0: Te I'm just going to do my peppy ha, huh? so um, I'll give it a go. Um, ko fatatiri te maunga, ko wairua te awa iti, ko tangata te turiti te iwi, ko cutforth te whanau, ko ian toku papa, ko dora dora. <laughs> Dora, toku mama, Ko Julie Meehan, toku Ingawa Tēnā koutou katoa. <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, so, my name is Julie. I have the privilege of being married to Al, sound man today. Not a good day to be the sound man, but anyway. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Josh is our son in the green and we're blessed to have four other um, adult children. Um, Today, um, what I wanna speak about is God's better plan for us. Um, I really loved Bron's message last week, um, the reminder of coming to Jesus, and we can just come to him, um, and um, into his presence, bringing ourselves, bringing our stuff, um, bringing our hearts, and we can just be with him. And it's actually a really good segue. And into my message today. That's a really cool term at the moment, but anyway. um, And um, I've been on a bit of a journey the last couple of years. So I started doing an online um, school called School of Faith um, about two years ago because I was really keen, and I, I haven't had much, much exposure to signs and wonders. And I really want to see the Holy Spirit moving um, because signs and wonders are meant to follow us and um, because we follow Jesus. And so um, I started this journey, and what I've discovered is actually that Jesus is worthy of us being with him. And, um, and that's, you know, that's, what I've, that's what I've got from it. And, and when, I, um, when I sit and spend time with him, I often journal, and so most of the time, he, I say to him, what do you want to tell me today? And he says, I love you. And it seems that I need to learn that, because we haven't gone past that yet. Um, But also, he says to me, stay. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. And um, Bron talked to last week, um, sorry, go back. Um, So I don't believe that's an invitation to sit on my couch all day and meditate on Jesus, but that could be what it means. but it is to have my heart and mind set on him, Um, no matter what I'm doing. So each moment of the day. um, Jesus wants us to live in relationship with him, where we're always present to him and we're always in his presence. So there's no such such thing as a differentiation between our Christian life and our normal life. Um, If we belong to Jesus, it's all about life following him where we carry his presence into our world so that people encounter him through us. Um, and Bron mentioned Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, and um, and in John, he also records Jesus talking about, the, I am the vine, you are the branches, if a man abides in me, um, and I am him, him he will bear much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. And I've said this before, but I I often think about that. You know, we can't just do a little bit or just, try our hardest, we actually can't do anything, Um, and Paul talked about praying continually, and so being a Christian is about walking with Jesus, joined to him, being yoked to him, it's about abiding in him and communing with him, talking with him as we go, and Paul says that our life is hidden with Christ and God, so this is our normal, Um, that's not for radical believers, that should be our normal. Um, Our life is in him. We're dead to ourselves into sin and alive to him. Our life is him living through us. So I was reflecting on Hebrews 12 recently and um, about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And um, it's a familiar passage to a lot of us. And if you go back in the passage, at, at the beginning of that particular chapter, it says, therefore. And if you see therefore, English 101, we go back to see what it's there for. good English lesson. Um, So I read chapter 11, and that's a really um, familiar chapter to a lot of people as well. That's the faith chapter. Um, And then, as I read to the end of the chapter, the Holy Spirit highlighted um, verse 40 of chapter 11. So I'm going to read this passage. um, Starting in chapter 11, verse 32, and um, through to 12, chapter 12, verse 3. Um, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sworded in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God, this is my verse that was really highlighted to me, God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And then we read on in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and lose heart. And verse forty again, God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And the amplified, amplified version says, Because God had us in mind and had something something better and greater in view for us, so that they, or these heroes and heroines of the faith, should not come to perfection apart from us or before we could join them. And what stood out for me in this obscure sort of passage was that, um, that God had planned something better for us. And um, the thought came that, oh, we are actually a, an integral part of God's plan. Um, it's no accident that you're personally here today. Um, it's no accident that as a church we're gathered here today. And so I believe that Holy Spirit wants to encourage us with this today. Um, And so I came up with four Ps because it's really good to have, you know, those things in your message that you can remember. Um, So the foundation of the message today is God's promise and God's plan. And from those things, we recognize our privilege. And then we consider what we should do, how we should live in light of these things. And so that's our posture. So God's because remember in our passage, the Old Testament saints looked forward to the fulfilment of that promise, but they didn't ever receive it. Um, so God had made this promise, but they, and they did not receive it, but they hung on to it. A promise of a redeemer, a messiah, right back at the beginning in Genesis. One that would come from woman, would crush the head of the enemy, Satan. And he also promised that this person would take away their infirmities, their sicknesses, their sorrows, and their sins. He would pour out his life for many. He would become sin for them in Isaiah 53. He would bind up the brokenhearted. He would set captives free. He would exchange beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and praise for despair. That's good news. Um, And so God, he had chosen a people and he established a system, a sacrificial system, whereby they could approach him. A system of sacrificing animals year after year and once a year coming into one person, one priest coming into his presence to atone for the sins of the people. And they had these promises. However, as we now know, and we read it in Hebrews 10 and in our passage, oh, sorry, going back, in Hebrews 10, they could never be made perfect under this system. So the saints of old, as the writer of Hebrews attests, looked forward to the fulfilment of God's promise that something better than this system was coming, a Messiah. They had courageous faith, and we see that in Hebrews 11. Sometimes they had earthly victory and sometimes not. Sometimes their faith saved their lives and sometimes it cost them their lives. But it didn't matter. They lived their lives set on the promises of God and they tenaciously clung to those promises through faith. Their assurance rested on the unchanging faithfulness, kindness and power of God who would not fail to fulfil his promises. And so I believe there's a challenge for us. What has God promised us? What's he promised you personally? What have you read in scripture that he's highlighted before and he says, this is for you. This is what I'm promising you in this season. Do we know what God says, what God's word says about us? When we're tempted, Jesus, when Jesus was tempted, he used scripture as his defense. When we are faced with temptations and hard times, what do we fall back on? And when the enemy whispers lies in our ear, is our defence the word and promises of God? Is our normal, well in the natural it looks like this, but God says, so this is my reality. That is the truth in, in this situation. And how often do we speak the word of God over ourselves, over our lives, over our kids, in faith, believing that God will accomplish what he has promised. So I think that's a challenge for us, that we know the word, that we know what God has said, and we declare it over our lives and believe it no matter what is going on in our lives. And Paul said for in 2 Corinthians, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. So that is why it is through him we utter our, our amen for, to God for his glory. We say amen, yes, so be it in faith, believing it will come to pass as God has promised. And I often think about the prophetic words or the words that we're given on a Sunday morning in our in our fellowship and words that you're given you know, I'm given personally and I've been really challenged recently about um, about about meditating on those things because that's a word from God. It's not just a really nice thing that someone said, it's actually a word from God and they're really valuable and really precious to us. So um, that's a challenge um, I think, for all of us. Okay, so that we move on to the foundation of God's plan. God, and it says in our passage that God had a better plan. He had planned something better for us. And when I read um, this part of our passage, I really felt Holy Spirit say um, that we are an integral... Is that the right way to say that word? Integral? Integral? Part of... Um, of his plan, it's like we're like he was saying, we're not here by mistake. And in the big picture, God has a, always had a plan for the redemption of mankind. And you know we've talked about the Old Testament sacrificial system, but our passage says that God planned something better for us. Um, the writer of Hebrews consistently presents Jesus as supreme as supreme to the sacrificial system of Judaism. And we can read about that in Hebrews chapter 10. The sacrifices of the old system could never make those perfect who lived under them. But then Jesus came. And he offered himself in our place, our place once and for all. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, just like John the Baptist said when he saw him. And he has become our high priest. Through his death, burial and resurrection, once and for all, he has made a way into the presence of God for us and we can enter there with boldness. This is God's plan. Jesus and all we have because of him, this is his better for us. In a general sense, we're all part, we, all, we're all part of the plan of God. Individually, and as I believe Holy Spirit want to, wants to impress on us today, as kore Muckle. Church. So individually, if we know, um, and I love this, I love Ephesians, especially Ephesians chapter one. Um, but God, um, Ephesians chapter one says, God chose us in Him before the creation of the world. My notes say click. So that means a click. Here we go. Um, Ephesians one four to six. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So from eternity past, God chose you. And I don't know if that's a familiar concept to everyone today, but I think we need to hear that, that, and let it sink in, that God chose you. If you're in Jesus, he chose you before he even created the earth. You are part of his plan. I'm part of his plan. As we turn to Jesus, Paul says in Second Corinthians, it's like a veil is taken off our hearts, and as we look to him and contemplate his glory, we are transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we walk with Jesus, he's continually transforming us. And this is God's plan for each of us. So it's no mistake that we're here and now, and Paul says that in Acts 17. God placed us here, in this time, and in this place. And so a really good question for us to ask ourselves and Holy Spirit is Why? Why am I here? Why here and why now? Are we aware of what God's plan is for our lives? Are we aware of the gifts that he's placed in us? We're not here by mistake. And all that we have been given in Jesus, God wants to use to build his kingdom and to see his glory displayed on the earth. We are his masterpiece. And if you're unsure at all, about that, about who God says you are. Start in Psalm one hundred and thirty-nine. That's a really good place to start if you want to know about that stuff. We are His masterpiece, and so my prayer is that God would look at us and be drawn to Jesus. That they would see people would see Jesus in us, and so Kudimakor, God's plan for our church, and um, God, the Scripture speaks about. Um, God, God's plan for the church. And the church in Scripture is all people who follow Jesus. It's not just little individual churches, it's all people who follow Jesus. And um, it says that Jesus loved, Christ loved the church. Have I got that up there? So much that he gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So this is all believers, the wonderful church of God. There's no denominations in Jesus, just people like you and I who are called out to follow him. So what about our gathering here? Um, This is an expression of the church of God and I believe that this is a specific encouragement for us today. So our um, church values are whakamoemiti, which is praise and thanksgiving, doing everything out of love for Jesus to bring him glory. Whanongatanga, which is about building relationships and belonging with everyone that comes through our doors. And tikangarua, a commitment to the journey of doing church biculturally. Tangata whenua and tangata tiriti woven together in the unity of wairua tapu. And these are great values. But are they just uh, good ideas that Nick and Amy came up with? Or <laughs> are they given by God for this time and for this place? Um, and I would suggest that if we, if we are journeying, um, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can outwork these values. Because otherwise they are just great values. Um, so I believe that these things are an integral part of God's plan for this time and this place. What God is doing here and now in Palmerston North and in our nation. So Fakamoi Mati reminds us that it's about him. Praise and thanksgiving, we're focusing on him. It's all about him. Funongatanga reminds us that it's about the other stopping for the one, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And tikangarua reminds us that as Arupu we have the privilege of seeing the world through different glasses and then walking that out together. And I'm so aware, for me as Pākehā, I need to come to terms with the fact that my worldview is not necessarily the best way of doing things. So that's a challenge. So those are our foundations, and then we consider our privilege. Um, we've been given God has planned something better for us. So we are in a place of privilege. Um, when we consider the Old Testament saints, they looked forward and we look back. We look back at Jesus and then we consider Everything that we stand in because of him. So, in the, um, in the Hebrews tells us that in the Old Testament system, there's a veil between the people and the presence of God. And with Jesus, that veil has gone. And I often talk about these things because actually I need to be reminded of them, um, and so I think it's a really good reminder to all of us today. We are invited into a new and living way by the blood of Jesus, into the very presence of God. We can come with full assurance of faith, knowing that we are cleansed from all our sin, in Hebrews 10. We are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1. We are adopted into the family of God, Ephesians 1 again. We are called children of God, and we are indwelt and led by his spirit. Romans 8. And then Peter says, His power, divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So again, this is the something better for us. And remember Jesus said, without me you can do nothing, but through him we have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. So the writer's point in our passage is that if the saints of old were faithful through all they endured, even though they didn't receive the promise of the Messiah, how much more should we be faithful since we have Jesus? And John Calvin said a small spark of light led them to heaven. When the sun of righteousness shines over us, with what pretense can we excuse ourselves if we still cleave to the earth? We have Jesus. This is the better thing God has planned for us. We have him, we have all of his promises, and we have a plan, he has a plan for our lives. And then this leads us to then how should we live what should be our posture in light of these things? And I'll just read Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 again. Therefore, because of these things that we've just considered, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we remember the saints of the past. And there seems to be two trains of thought about what the writer is talking about here, about the witnesses, and I've heard the idea of people you know, being in a stadium cheering us on, and then the other thought is that their lives are a testimony, and it's, like, the, the, it's a, like a banner declaring that God is worthy of our trust. And then it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So if we want to run with perseverance, as Nick would attest, um, we must run lightly. I'm sure he didn't wear his track suit and his big heavy work boots. He would have worn running shoes and lycra, I'm sure. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Um, <laughs> conversion. Okay. Um, so we must run lightly. Um, everything, cast off everything, throw it off, the rider says. That hinders us. Whatever that is for you, that'll be different for all of us, whether it's habits, whether it's sin, distractions, toxic friendships, toxic thinking, broken patterns of relating or behaving. Whatever it is that holds us back to stepping into all God is calling us to be and do, throw it off. Just like an athlete wears only minimal clothing, and in the Greek Olympics, in the old days, a long time ago, they ran almost naked. So they did that to perform their best. And so we need to put off anything that slows us down in our race. And then we look to Jesus. And I, um, I want to read a quote from Spurgeon, and it's a little bit long, but I just love it. Um, and he says this, and it's a bit of old English, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just beautiful. Um, oh, ye that would win, heed the caution, and lay aside every weight whether it be great or small, and press towards the mark. Run for it, man. Thou hadst need do nothing else but run. Do I not hear you say, may God help us? This must be a tough race which requires such stripping as this. If every weight of care must be laid aside and every rag of sin, who is sufficient for these things? How can we poor limping mortals run in such a race as this? Even the starting is beyond us. How much more, how, how more, How much more must perseverance in it outreach our strength? See, my brethren, how we are driven to free grace, how we are driven to the power of the Holy Spirit. The race which is set before us most clearly reveals our helplessness and hopelessness, apart from divine grace. The race of holiness and patience, while it demands vigor, displays our weakness. We are compelled, even before we take a step in the running, to bow the knee and cry unto the strong for strength. We dare not retreat from the contest, but how can we begin a struggle for which we are so unfitted? Who will help us? To whom shall we look? To whom shall we look? And there is our Jesus. There is Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We look at him. We remember his suffering on our behalf. We remember that he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and he intercedes for us. He holds all things in his hands. He holds us in his hands. We need not fear anything going on in our lives. When he said, it is finished, the law is complete, it is done. Our salvation is complete, and we are set free. As the old hymn says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And I just, I just testify to the truth of that hymn. And um, my, um, some of you know that my father has Parkinson's disease, and he is um, at the end of his life. And we have got some quite big challenges going on in our family at the moment which i have very few, i have few very few answers for but i know that god does have answers and so i have a choice to make and we all have these sorts of situations where we have to make choices and we can look at circumstances and become overwhelmed and that's that's easy to do or we can fix our eyes on jesus and when we keep ourselves in that posture these things lose their power over our minds and hearts. We can know him as the lover of our souls, and as we look to him through the power of his spirit, we walk in freedom, without worry and without fear. So the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10:25 says that we need to encourage us. Uh, we need to encourage each other in these seasons. So I believe Holy Spirit is saying, don't give up. God has given us so much in and through Jesus, and we actually can't lose. So let's remember his promises. We have for something better. Let's remember his plan and purpose for each of us and for this fellowship. Let's remember these foundational things. And then also let's remember our privileged positions. Let's keep our eyes on him and run with perseverance, being and doing all he has called us to be and do, bringing glory and praise to his beautiful name. I just want to close with this quote, and it's from um, Mary Beth Chapman, and if you're around in the late 80s, 90s, and you listen to Stephen Cutis Chapman, this is his wife, and um, um, this couple have walked some really hard stuff. One of their children was killed um, when... Another one of their children accidentally ran over them. And so they know what it's like to walk with hard stuff. And she says this um, Real success in the kingdom of God is not about being strong and looking good and knowing all the, rea- all the right answers. It's about continually le- yielding oneself to Jesus and determining to take purposeful little steps of obedience, of obedience. And the ragged reality that it's all about God and his grace at work within us. So I'll just close in prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence with us this morning. And Lord, um, thank you for your words. And I pray, Lord, that through um, the delivery this morning, Lord, that you would just burn off what doesn't need to sit, but Lord, that you would speak deeply into each of our hearts about who we are in you, Lord, about this wonderful, wonderful bit of plan that you've for us, Lord, that we're here for a purpose, here for a reason. We thank you, Holy Spirit, so that it's through your power that we can even... You are worthy of our guys. You are worthy.